Hello, and welcome to the Workout Session Podcast. I'm your host, Lamaya Cruz. If you have ever wondered how and what someone did to successfully get to where they are now, well, this is the podcast for you. That's right. This podcast uncovers the method to the genius, the routine, the creative exercise, the unique process that each of our guests developed that has shaped them into who they are today. And on this episode, we have special guest, David George. David is a young marketing executive that helps people and brands understand the value of influencers, multicultural marketing, and digital storytelling. David recently made the move to Mattel and currently develops digital partnerships for the Barbie brand. In his former role at Allied Global Marketing, he worked with some of the largest entertainment, culture, and lifestyle brands, leveraging relationships with media, celebrity, brand partners, community influencers, and tastemakers to create cross-cultural digital campaigns that resonate and speak to diverse audiences. This interview was so insightful, and I just really appreciated David's candor. I hope that you enjoy listening to all the gems that David sprinkled into this interview because there were several. And before we get into this episode, don't forget to, to subscribe to our show Please share, leave a review, and tell us what you think by tagging us on our Instagram at The Workout Session. You can also watch the full interview on our YouTube channel. Thank you in advance for all your support. You recently just started a new position at Mattel in the developing digital marketing or digital partnerships, I'm sorry, um, for the Barbie brand. Congratulations to that first off. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that is amazing. I want to know what does a typical day um, look like for you right now, currently? Oh, man. Um, a couple of things. Well, I'm, I'm four weeks in, so I guess I'm still kind of figuring that out, right? Like what a typical day is going to look like. But I think for the most part, um, you know, stepping into a role like digital partnerships with a brand such as Barbie, right? I think a, a big goal um, is to figure out how to use kind of like technology, right, to reach their audience and their fan base, right? So for me, I spend, I would say, most of my time really just kind of seeing who who's who are the voices out there, right, that can help us do that. I think that's the big thing, identifying who those folks are. Um, Barbie is very, 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 so sorry, under the Mattel brand, I'm, I'm, I'm working, I do partnerships for Barbie specifically. Um, so Barbie right now is very, very, very committed to making sure that, um, whether within the company, in the product line, what our marketing tactics look like, that we um, are making sure that we embody everyone, right? Every voice, every color, every type of group in the world. So I think a lot of my day is just I'm out there, I'm consuming content, right? How could I make those types of suggestions or recommendations if I don't know mm-hmm. what's kind of going on, right? I'm studying digital and cultural trends and just making sure that we are being relevant, we're being current, um, and just taking those findings back to my team and saying, hey, listen, as we approach the holiday, as we approach the new year, as we approach Black History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, Women's History Month, um, here's what we should be thinking about. So a lot of it is research. Um, Second to that, um, it's just negotiating deals, right? Like reaching out to the different partners that we want to work with. Um, I primarily focus on influencer partnerships as well as um celebrity partnerships so i'm the one like physically reaching out to these people um explaining kind of what our campaign looks like what our goals are making sure that that's aligned with just who they are what they believe in what they love to create um and then we just kind of figure out that collaboration point um we get it on piece of we get it on paper we get that vision and strategy on paper 
we close the deal. Um, we move into then just managing the campaign, right? Um, me just being available to make sure that anything, any questions they have get answered. Um, anything that they're doing is aligned with um, just the brand and the expectations and that it gets that final deliverable gets to the, the platform of our desire. So I think right now um, we mostly execute in the YouTube space because um, that still is the leading platform for kids entertainment. Um, how to reach kids, shall I say. Um, TikTok and Instagram. So we're just making sure that we're kind of always on top of what's going on in those spaces, um, that the content is going to perform well there, and then just kind of managing that campaign all the way through execution. So mostly that. And then separate from that, I'm on calls with you know my team kind of throughout the day. Um, either we're meeting just kind of about the vision and kind of alignment on just what the brand is doing, right? Because um, my sector, which is like the digital engagement group, but we work, we work cross-functionally with like PR teams, um, media teams, creative teams. So we're constantly just kind of staying aligned with what's going on in everybody's world, just to kind of see how we can support that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I definitely want to circle back on how you um, interact with the creatives that you partner with. But yeah. what is your morning routine like before you start your day? And how do you start your day up for success? Yeah, so my day typically starts around like 9, 9.30 a.m. Um, Pacific time. So before that, I'm a, I'm a really strict advocate on making sure that um, I do for me before I let other people into my world. You know what I mean? I'm not one of those people that when I wake up, I start scrolling the gram or checking emails. And I'm going to be honest, though, I've come a long way from being that person, right, where I was very all about the work. Um, but now um, I typically start my day with a workout. Like that's first and foremost. I have my coffee. I'm a big, I love coffee or green juice. Um, so either I'm doing like a yoga or a meditation. I love Nike Training Club, real quick plug. Um, I just joined Orange Theory um, Fitness Gym, which is like fitness cross training, like fitness classes. So I yeah, do yeah. that. Um, once I get back home, so always some type of workout or self-care of that vein. Once I get back home, I do a little bit of reading. Um, right now I'm reading a book called Attached. I'm not sure if you heard of it, but it's really diving into the science behind um, attachment styles when it comes to relationships. So that's been really interesting for me. Uh, so some type of reading, then I start the day. Um, usually with email, just kind of making sure that like, okay, what came in last night or this morning that I know I need to respond to urgently. Um, and then separate from that, just like I have a really great tracking system just for my own brain to stay organized. So I typically will then work on my like to-do list, like, okay, what has to get done today and just kind of put in that priority order. That's it. Nothing too exciting. <laughs> for your to-do to list, yeah. um, do you like to type it down or do you like to write it down? Um, type it. I type it Google Docs all day long. Um, it's just kind of easy for me to like navigate that. Um, and also do I collaborate with kind of like just some of my leadership so they can kind of see what's going on, um, can add some notes, etc. So that's why I choose to do it that way. But I think either or is effective. I used to do I do sticky notes sometimes. Um, if it's something that I know, like just might slip my mind, and I don't want to, you know, forget about it. So I do sticky notes. Um, it depends. But for the most part, I type it out. Yeah, same. I mean, and also sometimes I will write it out. It just depends, yeah, honestly, just depends. how I'm feeling. I started. I started doing that. Like, I have a little, um, like, uh, I'm, I love planners and like the agenda books. So I yes. used to do that, but then I was just like, uh, it's actually kind of more effective to like type my notes out or, or my to do list out. That's all. But either way works. Either way yes. Works. Yes. And so my next question for you is. What made you decide to pursue a career in influencer marketing 
And yeah. why did you pivot away? Because um, I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but you were going to become a professional dancer. Yeah. That's why you moved to New York. Yes. So what made you pivot from doing that to falling into um, influencer marketing? Okay, this is a long answer. So we got some time. <laughs> yes, of course. Take your um, time. Yeah, okay. You want to so know. As, as you mentioned, yes, when I moved to New York City, I probably was about 19 or 20 years old. And I grew up in Boston, right? Um, a lot of people still be like, black people live in Boston? Yes, black people live in Boston. But I grew up in Boston. <laughs> black people live but, everywhere, just so you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Just so we know. <laughs> guys, come on, guys. But anyways, um, I grew up in Boston, and I grew up, since I was eight years old, I was a dancer. Like, I was very obsessed with popular culture, MTV, music videos. Like, I was like, oh, my God, like. You know, you know, think about who was in that day. Britney, Missy Elliott, Aaliyah, like when yes. dance was really uh, in like a thing, right? So I grew up um, just always dreaming of like one day being a part of that. Like that was just strictly it, right? So I knew since I was eight years old um, that that's what I wanted to do. Throughout high school, like I joined like little dance troops and dance groups and like got more training and more experience. Um, I started choreographing during that time and it was just like, it, I just knew it was who I was. Like when I was around that group of people, I felt like I belonged. Um, I've always been a very creative, visionary person since I was young. Um, and I just love the idea of having an idea or a vision and it coming to life. Like that process just excites me. So um, when I moved to New York, though, um, I was still in school. I was going to St. John's University. I was studying business because I always, I don't even know what it was, um, but I always knew have a backup plan, right? Entrepreneurship, business, which is what I knew you needed to know to be successful in anything. That's just kind of how I saw it. Um, so I was also training to be a dancer kind of um, part-time, so after school. Um, but to be honest, um, just because of like the the time commitment that goes into being a full-time student, um, I couldn't really commit to being a dancer until I graduated. So it took about like two or three years of being in New York before I really was like, okay, like I'm available. It's time to give this a hundred percent. Um, and I did that, you know what I mean? I did that. I really got my look together. Uh, I really got my training up. Um, you know, cause I, 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 was, I, was, I went to pursue what you, what you call a commercial dancer, which is essentially what you see in like music videos, as we talked about, um, TV and film, people that are in actual commercials, right? Like that's a commercial dancer. Um, then there's like concert dancers, ballet dancers who do more um, concert, uh, ballet, this Broadway and theater, and then there's commercial dancer, just for anybody who might want to know. Um, after college, I ended up getting an agent. I ended up signing with my, my dream agency, Black Block, Black Block Talent Agency in New York City. Um, and getting an agent is kind of like, um, well, I think we understand what being, getting an agent is, right? It's kind of like your pathway to the real opportunities, to the auditions that right. you doesn't know about. Um, and that was kind of how I started really getting into like music videos, stage. I booked some like print work through that. Um, it was really cool. But the downside of it was that um, being an artist at any capacity, like when you're starting out, it's very unstable. Let's just keep it real, right? There are some people, there are some people who like when they come into the industry, their look just takes off, right? And they're like constantly mm -hmm. and they're doing it um, or they're just so excep exceptionally talented that like it just happens, right? But then there's some people who like myself who you kind of have to work your way up. So I got signed. Um, I had relationships with like people in the industry and I was working, but in New York, I can honestly say this was around like 2014, 2015 ish. Um, the industry was starting to die a little bit, which meant like 
for every 10 jobs that there were in Los Angeles, there was like one job in New York, right? That everyone's gunning for, right? Um, and then, and there also was, um, there was a certain look, right? Especially for guys, um, that was, that was in at that time, right? Tall, muscular. And when you look at me, like, right, like, I'm very youthful looking. Right? Not all of those things, David. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm five six, five seven on a good day. Me too. Right? Yes. Right. So I'm like five six, five seven. Um, I looked very, very young at the time. So not that those they're not bad things now because I think everyone is working to be more inclusive, right? But at that time, um, it wasn't like that. It, it wasn't like that. It just wasn't like that, and I didn't quite fit the look of like who the go-to guys were. So I had those moments of like not working or I had those moments of like doing a job. And, you know, when you do, when you work non-union, like companies, employers, brands, parts, whoever you're working for, they have, they have up to 90 days to pay you. 90 days, three months. Okay. So most of them will take that 90 days. Right. So it was conditions. Um, I, I started to also learn that, I didn't really love being in like eight, 10 hour rehearsals all day. Like, you know, there were just little things about like when something's not a job and you're doing it for fun, like it's different. And then when it becomes a job, you know what I mean? It was just kind of right. So it was a couple of conditions that were turning me off after a while. And I was just kind of like, I don't know. Like, I love this. It's my dream. At that time, at that point, when I was having these thoughts, I did Mm -hmm. um, already have an opportunity to do some of the things that I set out to do be in music videos, really be in that process, choreograph some really fun things, um, do some modeling jobs, right? So I had already started to taste um, what I had set out to do. And I kind of just felt like I'm good with that, right? But what helped me make the decision to answer your question, um, to make that transition was um, part-time, I took a job at The Gap um, as a sales associate, just to kind of like make some money during downtime, right? That's what all artists do. They either are gonna wait tables, um, they're working in retail, um, something, something. Especially if you're in New York. Exactly. <laughs> Especially if you're in New York, like you have a million hustles, you're teaching dance classes. I was teaching dance classes. There was like two hours away, right? Like, so you do little things and you pick up a million hustles just to make sure that like your basic necessities, um, are met until you get your big break. Right. So that's kind of where I was, um, late 2014. Right. And I was working for the gap and, um, one day. Like, there was, like, this hallway that led from, like, the back room, the break room, to the sales floor. And in that hallway, there was a bulletin board that would have, like, postings of, like, um, internal opportunities that were available, right? If you wanted to become a manager Mm -hmm. one day or a lead or whatever the case may be. And one of those postings said, um, we're looking for someone passionate about social media. That was literally all the post said. Like, it had no description, it didn't have any, like, pay information, like, nothing. It just said that, right? And again, this was, like, 2014, where social media was out, right? We had MySpace, we had Facebook, Instagram was around at this time, but it was more for you and I, right? Like, let's just share with our friends, Mm -hmm. like, what we're doing, right? Like, brands were just learning how to use it, right? And that's kind of where Gap was at the time. They were realizing that they were losing the millennial customer because, um, you know, they were going to Forever 21 or to Zara or things that were more hip, right? Or or more fashion forward. Whereas Gap is known for all American style, basics, um, jeans, right? Gap t-shirt. They weren't really known for like stylish pieces, right? Even though they did have it, they did have distressed jeans and leather jackets and really stylish pieces and great quality, <laughs> 
right? So they were like, listen, like we are not reaching the millennial customer. Like we have, I'll tell you who we have locked in. We have mom, 40 plus, who comes in to like buy clothes for her kids, but we don't have you. You know what I'm saying? Like we are, we're trying to figure out how we can use social media, um, primarily Instagram, to reach um, that consumer. So um, before I learned that, though, I had went to my manager and I was like, hey, I saw this job posting um, in the hallway about like social media. Like, can you tell me more about it? He was like, oh, actually, I don't really know what it is. Like, I'll talk to the store director the next time I see him um, to find out more. And I'll also let him know that you're interested in the role. So I'm like, all right, cool. I want to say like four weeks went by and I would ask this guy every week, like, hey, did you talk to him? Like, did you find out anything? Like, what's going on? Like, I really wanted to learn. If, that's, if there's one thing about me, like, I'm always paying attention to new windows of opportunity, right? Immediately, I was like, social media, I knew enough to know that, like, uh, it was an opportunity to potentially be creative. Uh, it was an opportunity to just not be a salesperson, which I didn't love doing, right? Like, that's just what it was. So I was, like, trying my hardest to learn, like, what is this role? About a month went by, he kept giving me that same excuse that he kept forgetting. So one day I was in the office and um, I saw the director in his office and his door was open. So I was just like, whatever, like I'm bold, I'm confident. I'm just going to go in there and ask him myself, like, what is this all about? So I literally went to his office. As well. Knocked, uh, right. And I knocked on the door. I was like, hey, I'm David. Like, I work on the men's sales team. Like, I saw this posting um, about you guys looking for someone passionate about social media. And I just want to learn more. Like, why not? You know what I'm saying? That's when I got the information about the whole millennial millennial customer thing. So he was like, well, here, here's the thing. That day I learned that I was the only person that asked about the role, the only person that asked about the role, right? So he was like, I want to say this is probably like a Thursday or a Friday. So he was like, great, okay, we have like X, Y, and Z like sale coming up. What I want you to do is like go home over the weekend, um, work on some ideas, and then come back to me on Monday with like what you would do on social media to help us support this. <laughs> Great, easy. I'm creative all day. So I did that. I took the information home. I worked on a couple of like concepts. Um, and at that time, like I already knew how to like edit videos, like put together presentations. So like this was all stuff that like was working for me as a dancer, like really understanding marketing and the fact that like that's really like the what's going to make or break you is how you present yourself. Right. So I just took all Absolutely. that information. I took all that information. And also what I learned in like business school. I also I also minored in marketing. So I knew a thing or two on like how to pitch. Right. Let's just put it that way. So I went back to him that next week with my ideas and he gave me the role on the spot. He gave me the role on the spot. And I went from making like eleven dollars an hour to like 18, like right on the spot. And I was like, oh, yes, like that's almost $20. We're hour. in the money like, now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's almost $20. We're like, yes. Yes. So that was how I got into social media. Now, as I mentioned before, the role didn't have a description, right? And then I mm -hmm. also learned through, through those conversations that they also didn't really know what it was. They just knew that Instagram was popping off. Brands were getting on it, and how do we like get some stake in this? In this, right? So I was mm -hmm. like, "Oh, this means like I have liberty to help create what this is." You know what I'm saying? Like how we use this. So I honestly just took that to my advantage. And I think the first thing that I recommended that they did, I was like, "Listen, if you guys want to reach millennials, like younger customers, right? Like 
the first thing I would, the first challenge I'm seeing is that like gap campaigns um, don't style clothes the way that millennials wear fashion, right? Like, yes, there are people in this group that are very basic and just want a blank sweater, blank t-shirt, like very safe jeans and right. But the millennial um, who is, we're more self-expressive. Uh, we tell our stories. We, 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 we tell our personalities through how we dress. Like we're layering, we're mix and matching. We're putting turtlenecks under de- denim jackets, right? Like we're a little bit more self-expressive. Yes. So we need to create something that shows um, that product play a role in the life of that type of person in that way. You know what I'm saying? The, the ads, in my opinion, at that time, and this is no hate to Gap, um, the ads at that time, I don't think did that. Like, if I was a millennial person that was more into style, like, if I saw a Gap ad, I was not drawn into it. I wasn't like, oh, my God, like, that was so well put together. Let me run to my nearest Gap store and, like, get that. It just didn't do that, right? So I was like, let's do a lookbook. Let's do a lookbook that gives a complete fresh take on, like, how Gap um, can look. Because again, they had just launched this new um, this new denim line that was super dope, like distressed, like different washes. They had like new leather varsity jackets, denim jackets. Like it was a really dope line. The, the campaign was called the new the new black denim. So I was like, let's do a lookbook um, that just again is a fresh take on how to style gap clothes. I think that's a good start. And we'll do this lookbook and we'll post this content specifically on Instagram um, as well as Facebook, right? So they were like, all right, do it, right? And what I didn't realize was that, like, this was a, a complete, like, self-sufficient role, meaning, like, I didn't have the the resources from, like, Gap Global or headquarters to, like, produce this. I had to figure out how to style it. I had to figure out how to oh, wow. um, cast it, right? Like get the talent and the faces in there. Um, I had to figure out how to produce it basically from the top to the bottom. So again, I went into my handy dandy like equipment <laughs> uh, tools up here. And I was like, all right, I put out a Craigslist ad and I found models and a photographer. Um, I pulled some of my friends together who I knew like knew a thing or two about styling to help me. Like I did have access to clothes. I had access to clothes and I had access to the store. That was it. So I found a photographer. That's all you need I, in those situations. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I found a photographer. I found a model. I had two of my friends kind of come in and help me figure out the styling. Um, and then um, that was it, right? So it took about a couple of weeks. Um, I met all the models. I called them into the store. We did like little fittings and stuff after we pulled all the looks. Um, I met with I met with a couple of different photographers. And I found the one who I felt work was pretty resembled resemblant well it was pretty similar to the way if you went on a gap website what that photography would look like um and who also was just excited about like what was being created here you know what i'm saying i had to leverage the gap brand and the name a lot um so yes bottle, i'm sure yeah it. i found the photographer i put together their production day and we shot a lookbook we shot a lookbook um across we did like we used the store for some locations and then we also used like just some on-site locations out in new york and we shot a lookbook and we put it on instagram um and we put it on facebook and like um the engagement was like primarily because this was the first time where that that line was starting to get um blurred not blurred but we were blending now community and brand right so what was what was interesting about Instagram was it gave well me using local talent and then putting them on the Instagram was that they were excited to share it. They were excited to say, hey, look, like I was a part of a gap project 
like in my community, right? Because at that time, there were still crazy gatekeepers, right? You weren't getting in a gap campaign if you weren't a top model with a reputable agency. You just weren't, right? So it created an opportunity for like local rising talent who just like were aspiring, um, didn't really get that, didn't really get the opportunity yet to be a part of something. They got really great content out of it. Um, and then also, like I said, it really um, shook up how Gap was um, styling and presenting their product that it just started some great conversation. So from there, uh, we did that lookbook in the fall. I think it was September. Then we did a holiday lookbook because every holiday Gap releases like a new line of like striped sweaters. I'm sure you've seen like those campaigns and those commercials. Um, like they're known for those signature sweaters every holiday. So we did a holiday lookbook. And then, um, to be honest, that work caught the the attention of corporate. They were like, hold on, like, who is this kid that like just works in one of our regular field stores in Gap 34th Street that like did all of this? Like, hold on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we should be paying attention to the fact that like somebody cares enough who's making like $18 an hour cares enough to like do all of this. So from there, um, it honestly inspired them to like, add this role, which ended up being, being called a social stylist, to other stores, right? They were like, each store should have this type of person. That's Someone, huge. Yeah, yeah. Like each store. Okay, so the price today is not the price tomorrow. tomorrow. No, 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 no. So yeah, they were like, whoa, each store should have this type of person that is focused on creating content specific for this location um, and driving online activity as well as foot traffic, right? Like that's what the goal was. Like let's build a relationship with the community. Let's make them want to come to our store um, for their fashion needs, right? So um, when they were developing this role, social stylist, they, they allowed me to kind of sit in on some of the meetings to consult on like my thinking behind the decisions I was making, how I was doing it, how a person that we put in 50, on Fifth Avenue or house might that we put downtown can also be successful um, in right contributing or being in this role. So that was super cool. And then um, honestly, at that point, we had each, each location that had this person, um, they were producing lookbooks, right? So my director was like, how do we like go up a notch? Like, how do we take it to another level? And I was like, let's do a commercial. And he was like, a commercial? And I was like, yeah, let's do a commercial. Like, cause Gap had, Gap, I don't know if you remember, but Gap used to do really fun dance upbeat commercials in like the 90s, early 2000s. And then they moved away from that and started focusing more on like narrative storytelling, which is what I believed at that time was a huge part of the reason they were losing that younger customer, right? Mm. So I was like, let's yeah. bring that back. If it wasn't broken, don't fix it, right? Well, let's bring that back. So we produced a commercial. I convinced them to let me hire like a video intern Trevor, Trevor Browning, still my homie to this day, um, a video intern who kind of worked hand in hand with me to start producing video content. And we did it around those sweaters I was just talking about, those holiday striped sweaters. Um, insert clip here. I'll send you that link for that video. Uh, we did it around that video. And from there, it was like, boom, this is my calling. Like I got invited to produce um, like projects for like different departments within the brand. Um, it had like, I was a dancer, so I, I was always very adamant about bringing me to my, to my workspace. So I got to, it was a dance, it was like dance meets fashion. 
meet storytelling. So it had like some dance and choreography in it. I was in it as well. So from there, they were like, hey, we're doing this really big conference in Vegas next year. Do you want to choreograph like an entertainment piece? And I was like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I got to hire like 10 people, um, 10 dancers in the New York scene um, to be a part of this experience with me. We did it in Vegas, um, San Francisco. We did it in New York, obviously. And to be honest, that was when I was like, hold on. Like the universe is showing me something, right? When I was just strictly focused on being a dancer or being disposable talent, I was constantly finding these moments where like it wasn't working. I was waiting on jobs. I was waiting on checks. Like I was living to pay rent. When I moved over here where um, I was focused more on like sharing my vision and creativity and kind of having a voice, people were listening. My checks were on time. I was able to say, I want to be paid this much, right? And I was still able to exercise um, the things that I loved, right? Dance, choreography, being creative, um, being collaborative, right? Um, and I also learned that I loved style at that point. So bringing it all back around full circle, that's really how it started, right? I saw an opportunity. I asked about it. Um, I applied myself. I put in so many extra hours beyond what I was even paid for to make some of these things happen, right? But I'm just a true believer in like, do what you have to do now so the rest of your life you can live the way that you want to live it, right? And I think there's so many people today who don't, who, who, really, who look really, who look down upon um, excelling, right? Or over applying yourself if you're not being paid for that. But I'm just not that kind of person. I knew that it was going to have a long-term payoff and it did. So Ultimately, when I realized that there was, it was just more lucrative for me, I was seeing that um, it was clear that I had a future in marketing. It was a no-brainer to make that decision to kind of transition out of dance and focus on that. <laughs> I love that you... <laughs> yes. No, yeah. like there's so much to pull from that. The way you trusted your instincts yeah. in that situation just seemed like it was like water. Yeah. Like, you know, it yeah. was just, it just flowed so smoothly because yeah. a lot of times we're fighting with ourselves and we're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Or, yeah. you know, our ego is telling us maybe I should do this instead, or I'm not getting paid that. And, you know, and you were the only person, only people, person, he was the only person, only person that, that went to them. Yes. And just, I asked, mean, I think that's, that's no, sorry to cut you off, but I think that's no, thing, go for right? it. Where it's like when people see things like that, um, I think that sometimes it's very easy. And I'm not going to lie. I had this moment where I, at, at a certain point, at a certain time, I was so focused on the fact that I wanted to be a dancer, choreographer, that I did overlook opportunities that could have been great for me. For example, um, once I started meeting with corporate, um, they also realized like, oh, you have a degree. Oh, you're actually very articulate and you know how to be a leader. So they were offering me like, do you want to be a manager um, they offered me a global uh, internship with a global social media team that I turned down because I was like, oh, I want to dance, right? So, like, there were times where I did let that keep me from opportunities that could have been, like, super major. Um, but at that moment, I decided that I wasn't willing to be, like, naive anymore, right? Like, hold on. Like, let's mm. actually paying attention to the results. Let's actually pay attention to, like, what's progressing, what's moving you forward. And at that time, like marketing was you know what i'm saying so just to kind of yeah drive that point home like i was the only person that asked because people i think some people just were they were just comfortable they were comfortable on what they were doing day to day they didn't really want any change but i think that what we forget sometimes is just having a conversation does not mean you're making a commitment you know what i mean 
Yeah. That's yeah. actually really good. It's the yeah. consideration that I'll, I think yeah. a lot of times we are like, I'm not even going to consider that because yeah. I want to do this so badly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, like, it doesn't hurt to just have the conversation and find out what it is. That was the thing. Nobody knew what it was. So how are we making the decision that it's not for us? That didn't mm, me. That's good. <laughs> you know that I mean? is good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so how, how was that journey um, for you starting out in mass media and i mean you kind of um talked about it with going into doing social media for the gap but what were some of the transformative highlights or low points that stick out to you most um i think the low points were just the fact that like i said social media was it was still very early um and brands were still learning how it played a role um, with brands that were global, right, versus just with people. I'm trying to avoid this light, as you see. <laughs> um, and I think some of the low points was strictly that. I think in the beginning, it was very, very hard to measure uh, whether or not what I was doing was successful, right? Because it was like, how do mm. we tell? Like, um, how do we know as a result of, like, what you're doing on social media, like, how many people are actually coming to the store because of that or going online to purchase something because of that, right? Like, we did see, we did see, we started the uh, social media account at zero, so we did see a rise in followers. We went from, by the time I left that role, we were at 8,000 followers, which was a lot back then. Not nothing now. Yeah. At that time, that was a lot. I grew up from zero to 8,000 people. Like, that was great. Um, so we did see that. It's still a lot now. It's still a lot. Honestly, now, I mean, organic, especially if they're organic. Yeah. Um, right. So we did see that and we did see engagement. Um, but I think that after a while, as leadership changed, because um, like my director at the time, um, his name was Sean Mills. And I'm so forever grateful for him because he saw the vision from the very beginning. Um, and he was very supportive of my ideas and very supportive of me just trying things. Right. He did eventually leave the leave the company. Um, I think he retired, to be honest. He did eventually leave the company, and when the new leadership came in, I don't think that it was communicated to them, like, what my role was and, like, why it was valuable. So I started to get questioned a lot on, like, uh, does he really need all of these hours to do that? Um, is what is what he's doing um, really translating into sales? They didn't understand social, right? So that's a lot of what mm-hmm. to, that's a lot of what my com- my own company is committed to right now is making sure that like people like that understand that social media and influencer marketing is so much more valuable than putting up a billboard in the middle of nowhere who you have no idea who it's reaching, you have no idea who's seeing it, right? But we'll get there. Um, but yeah, I was starting to get questioned a lot, and they were also trying to make me like be a sales associate and social media person to make like to like justify what I was being paid it just like it just it didn't work for me it didn't work for me and I was like no not having it I did not they're not trying to give you that value that you're bringing to the table or yeah that can be tough with me to grow it and to evolve it and develop it because we were on to something really 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 were um so that was probably the downfall of it that was honestly why I made a decision after two years to move on um, but one question I didn't answer was how I got into influencers. So, um, I mean, in that role, as you know, when I was working with different talents to be a part of those projects, that was a form of influencer, right? Community influencers. But, um, I think at that point I was inspired to, um, really see where it can take me. Right. So that was when I decided to move to New York. I mean, sorry, move to LA, um, and explore that a little bit further because I felt like in New York, like social media was a thing, but in LA, you had the 
at that time the viners the youtubers like right people people were were like the brands right so when i moved to la i was like okay i think this is a city where um i can have a fresh start and what year was that when you moved to 2016 okay Yep, I was like, I could have a fresh start. Um, nobody knows who I am, so I can walk into this market and say, I know social, I know how to create these strategies and these campaigns, and like, that's where you're gonna take me for. In New York, I was still running into things where like, are you a dancer? Are you a marketing person? Are you a, right? It was so much confusion. So I was like, new market, mm-hmm. fresh start, here we are. Um, and about three months into moving to LA, um, I became an assistant to a YouTuber, a very, 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 very big YouTuber at the time. And that was how I really learned um, from the influencer side of things, like how they were monetizing um, content, right, creation in the YouTube space, in the Instagram space, and partnering with brands, which um, either you'll hear brand deals or brand partnerships to explain that relationship and making crazy money um, to do that, right? Because it was helping brands um, be more specific with their targeting as far as like what audiences they were tapping into, um, what uh, ethnic backgrounds they were or cultures they were tapping into. Um, and it was also a way for them to measure what was happening when they did that. As I mentioned before, right, you can put a billboard up, but you don't really have any real data to look at, right? You kind of have an idea, okay, if I put a billboard downtown New York in the financial district, I'm probably reaching corporate professionals, um, 25 to 50, um, who you kind of have an idea who you're getting. You kind of do, right? But you don't really know. With Instagram, YouTube, you can actually see instant feedback. Yeah, the age of these people, um, the the location of these people, what they actually clicked on, like what content's performing the best, right? So I was like, okay, this is going to be super valuable in five years. And five years later, or six years later, shall I say, um, it, it's it's the most valuable it's ever been. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. I'm going to go back to, well, we'll get to that question in a second. But my next question for you is, what is your approach when it comes to working with creators and brands? And how do you make them feel like they are included in the proceedings? Because for starting out so early on in your career, you probably, and being a um, a talent yourself with doing dancing, professional dancing, yeah. you probably know like how to approach creatives, Yeah, uh, being a creative yourself. Absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing with being a talent of any sort, whether you're a model, whether you're a singer, whether you're, um, well, let's take singer out of it, whether you're a model, um, a background dancer, right? Let's just look at those two landscapes for right now. Your goal is to help a brand um, sell a product by reaching an audience, right? Which most of the time through representation, right? So whenever I would do um, get booked for dance jobs or get booked for like commercials or print jobs, I was always like the all American black kid they threw into the mix to make sure it was diversified, right? So as long as mm. um, mm-hmm. a black boy like me sees themselves in a Mountain Dew ad or in a Fuji film commercial um, or behind such and such artists, I felt like that product was for me, right? That's how marketing works, right? As a black woman, it's like, Honestly, today, probably more support brands more if you see yourself in their marketing, 
Is that true or false? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I think that that's probably like the first approach, right? I think a lot of brands right now are committed to making sure that um, their marketing and advertising reflects the world, right? Um, or it reflects the desired consumer. I think it starts with that, right? Each brand always has KPIs or goals, right? We know that we want to make X, Y, and Z revenue this year. We know that we want to influence more of this type of person or buyer to consume and purchase our products. So that's typically where it starts from, right? So once I understand like what the goal is um, as far as that goes, that's what I'm going out in the marketplace to figure out who is the best um, partner that can help us create, reach that goal, right? So if the goal, mm -hmm. it, can be, it can be very broad where it's like, okay, our goal is brand awareness amongst um, the multicultural audience, which is where I really try to focus my work, although I can do general market too, but I try to focus on multicultural because that's where I live, that's who I am, that's what I know. So if your goal is brand awareness amongst the multicultural audience, right, to sell um, coffee, right? I'm looking for um, influencers or celebrities or influential voices um, in that space. Now, sometimes it's not going to be as on the nose where you're going to find a creator that only talks about coffee. So a lifestyle influencer will do, right? Someone who we know their audience trusts their opinion on lifestyle, right? What kind of coffee they drink, what kind of food they eat, what kind of restaurants they go to, what kind of hotels they stay at, right? So that's typically what I'm looking for. Is there a fit as far as the product that I'm selling? And then is there a fit as far as the audience I'm trying to reach, right? So if I know I want to reach the multicultural audience, I want to make sure that I'm choosing an influencer that reaches that audience. You know what I'm saying? So I think mm -hmm. those are the first two big things. Now, as far as how to make sure that it's collaborative, um, that depends, right? I think that um, in some cases where I develop campaigns, like um, we come up with enough of an, a foundation of an idea. We know that we want the content to take this direction, but I get on the call with the creator and I say, okay, here's the direction that we know we want the content to take because this is going to be most effective for the brand's goals, but you know your platform the best. You know your audience the best. Um, you have a following and a voice for a reason. So what can you add to this to make it your own? That's the best way, I think, to collaborate with an influencer, right? Or kind of like in the role that I am now in Mattel, um, when we reach out to different creators or influencers, um, we give them a brief that just says, hey, here's the product. Here's everything that's great about it. Here are the things that we want you to focus on highlighting, right? And here's the kind of deliverable that we want. We want a dedicated YouTube video, or we want an Instagram carousel post, or, right, we give them that, but they get to come up with the concept, right? So now that you know all these different pieces, you know the goals, and you know where this is going to live as far as the platform, can you send us a concept that you think makes sense um, for this campaign? Right. So it really, really depends. Some influencers, they want you to tell them kind of what you want them to do. Right. But then some. But I think that's why it's important to understand the difference between an influencer and a content creator. Right. An influencer. Tell us be, the difference. OK, so an influencer and you can be both, but an influencer solely is more so someone who has influence. Right. They're influential either through the way that they live, um, things that they support, the things that they say what they stand up for, what they're showing up, right? So they have an influence, right? Obama, 
um, the Obama family, right? Like they're influential in the sense of like just what they mean to the black community. Um, their story inspires people. Um, just the progression of how they met to how they became that, right? That's an influencer, right? A content creator is someone who specializes in making content, whether it be through photo, video, written content, audio and podcast. You specialize in making content, which is the equivalent to um, people who make the creative directors behind commercials or print campaigns, right? Like those are content creators, right? So that's the difference. Now, like I said, you can be you can be both though. But I think influencers more so inspire through their lifestyle and the way that they live, right? And content creators more so um, they capture you through entertaining you through content. Does that make sense? <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah. 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 Because I think that a lot of times they get combined together. Yeah. And it's good to know the differences between the two. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate exactly. that. And um, how important, shifting it kind of a little bit, how important would you say mentors and your peers are in your personal journey? And how have they helped to shape you into the person that you are today? Oof. Starting with peers, um, I think peers are very important because if you're somebody who um, doesn't, especially if you're somebody who doesn't follow a conventional career path, right? If you don't just graduate high school, go into college, and then just go in a corporate job where like your peer opinion support really doesn't matter as much, like it's more so about your hard skills experience, what's on that resume, um, your ability to like be successful in an interview and like get a job and like call it a day. But if you're someone who your career path is unconventional, meaning either you're an entrepreneur or you're creative and you're trying to make it, um, you're trying to build a, you're trying to build a career um, or job or a business around what you're passionate about, right? Or you want to be able to get paid to be yourself. Um, having peer support is crucial because um, it's a very lonely journey at times. Um, sometimes when you have a vision, um, that can be very hard for other people to understand. And you need people around you that say, you know what? I get that. I understand that. I support that. I'm going to post this or I'll buy that t-shirt that you made from you, right? I think peer, peer support is very important in those cases. It's important for just like your mental toughness as well as like that fuel and that motivation that can keep you going. Does that make sense? Because Absolutely. nobody wants to be out here feeling like nobody believes in them. Like, that's tough. Now, you're also going to have those peers that don't, right? They don't get it. They don't believe in you. They might even try to SHIT on your dreams a little bit and be like, mm, you sure you want to do that versus just going to get a job and just doing what is safe or what's comfortable or what's secure. Like, you're going to have that. You know what I'm saying? But I think as you get older, you know how to prioritize those friendships less and you know which friendships prioritize more. So I think that peers... And I think it's... Sorry to cut you off, but I think it's also important to to note that if your peer is saying that just to be a hater, there's a difference between them saying it just to be, hey, looking out for you. Exactly. You know, you definitely want those people that are going to tell you the real, real, but not be, not try to drag you down. Exactly. Or exactly. Crap exactly. on your dreams. Right. But now, don't yeah. get me wrong. Continue. You, don't get me wrong. You do have to have those peers that are honest, right? I think I'm that peer. Absolutely. Where it's like, where it's like I'm. I'm not going to lie, I come from a judgmental past. I used to be very judgmental, a little bit more harsh with my delivery. Um, but it was only when I knew that, like, 
you're you're Cinderella, like you're trying to pull on a glass slipper that just does not fit. Um, there's been no, you have no track record of proof or result that this is the path. And for some reason, you're just being naive. Like I'm, I can be that friend. My delivery is much better now. You know what I'm saying? But I do think you need that person, right? There's a that's difference honest. between there's a difference between a dream killer or someone that's just like, look, you've been trying to do this for ten years. There's been no results. We're not saying you can't do it, but we need to evaluate the path or the approach that the strategy you're taking. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely, right? you need that person. Now, mentors. Mentors are OD important, probably even more important than anything. Primarily because you need to be following somebody who's walked either that path or a similar path. You need to. Why? Because you learn from them, right? Nine times out of ten, they failed in, in some area or two of what you're trying to do, where they can help you avoid those pitfalls, right? Um, they have more wisdom and more experience. Again, that can help you save time and money. Um, and then again, too, they can help normalize where you are, right? So for example, again, whether you're an artist, an entrepreneur, whether you're going the corporate route, even mentors are important in that field too, they can help normalize the fact that like, I just started a new job, right? And like uh, the woman who's the head of our division, she's like, listen, if for three months you feel like you don't know what the heck you're doing, that's normal. So when I have those days where I'm like, uh, imposter syndrome, like, what am I doing? Oh my gosh, I really, am I the right person? I'm like, wait a minute. The head of our division, who's obviously gone through this before, just told me that that's normal. It's normal to be figuring it out even three, six months in. So it eases my anxiety. If I, I, I'm, I, I can be more okay with the learning curve. Does that make sense? So I think Absolutely, yes. You get that validation. Can, yeah, I think so. Mentors, I think can't have them in person just due to access or location, whatever the case may be. Your next best resource is books, right? There's a book out there that's written by someone who's in that lane, in that industry, um, again, has walked the path before to some capacity that can teach you kind of what's going on in that world. So I say if you can't get a mentor, everyone should have one in person that can help you through that, right? Um, read books, right? Find who's who's at the top of the industry or has built something similar to what you want to build, whatever the case may be. There's a book out there. Read and learn from these people. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And what's how would you say is the best way to kind of go about initiating a relationship with a mentor or peers and um, in your industry? Like what how do you recommend doing that or going about? building those yeah. relationships. Yeah. I think that um I would say the best way is to just make sure it's clear that you know who they are, that you are familiar with what they've done and or accomplished in their space and that you want to learn from them. Right? Um I think the worst way to approach it is making it transactional. Can I get a job? Can I get an internship? Can you put me into this no, I have been following you. I've seen that you've done X, Y, and Z. Um, I aspire to accomplish even an ounce of that. I'm not saying sound like a minion, but I inspire to accomplish even an ounce of that one day. I just want to learn from you. What do you want to learn from them? I want to learn how you think. I want to learn how you um, navigated and networked. I want to learn how you... Um, 
stay creative every day. I want to learn your morning routine. I think that is the best. Like everybody is is excited when somebody wants to learn from something from them, from them, right? Like hands down, whether they're at the lowest level in their industry or the highest level, everybody is excited to teach somebody what they know. So I think that that's the best way to approach that. And I recommend um, either leaning into LinkedIn. I think that LinkedIn is a great resource for connecting and just reaching out to people. You won't get a response from everybody. Oh, well, right? Um, I think Instagram DMs, I think it's appropriate. I think that's appropriate. Um, Or commenting and just being visible. Um, Or third, I think find where they're at. Learn where they're at, right? If they're... They put out a new book and they're doing a book signing or hosting a meet and greet somewhere. That's where you should be. If they're attending an event that you can buy tickets to, that's where you should be. You know what I'm saying? Like one of my favorite creative mm-hmm. directors, um, I'm very obsessed with GQ magazine. That's one of my like dream partners. I don't know what it is yet, but one day down the line, like you're going to see it happen. But I'm very obsessed with GQ magazine. And I've been following it for years. Right. And the old creative, <clears throat> the former creative director, um, Jim Moore. Um, it's one of my favorite creative directors of all time. I think that what he's able to do with the talent that touches GQ magazine, like, is it, it usually actually inspires the way that I want to creative direct and like help style and development be transformational, transformational, transformational for people from the inside out. Um, so, for example, like GQ mostly it's obviously a men's magazine. And most of the talent in the magazine are either athletes um, or actors or music artists, right? And um, Mm -hmm. he, in my opinion, I think does a really great way of um, bringing, let's just say, athletes and like hip-hop artists into the brand and getting them to embrace the suit, getting them to embrace the dapper without feeling like, Right, because one thing that's big in the black community is respectability politics, um, the stigma of suits and selling out, right, to to appeal to this type of person or that person. I don't agree with that. Different conversation for a different podcast. But I think that he has a way of of, of getting these people to embrace this a Travis Scott or um a little boozy, right? Getting them to put on the suit and it not feel like you're changing them, you're conforming them, right? And to look just so, like, good. You know what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. And you can tell that, like, it just creates a shift, I think, in people when they see themselves in a different light like that. You know what I mean? So my point in bringing all this up is uh, Jim Moore released a book last year um, that I have um, that just takes you through all the decades of GQ magazine and just really takes you in depth on the stories of what inspired certain shoots and covers and blah, blah, blah. Um, and he did a book signing. Um, he did a book signing when the book came out and I went to the book signing. I went to the book signing. I supported him. I bought the book. Um, he, I, he signed it for me. Um, and like every now and then we, we exchanged very small conversation via, um, Instagram direct message, right? And it's just little seeds to where, you know, I exist, you know, that I support you. Um, recently, I had shared, he did a campaign for Todd Snyder, and I had shared the campaign and, like, tagged him, and I was, like, my favorite, like, creative director. He responded and, like, reposted the message. So now, if ever one day I decided to say, hey, listen, um, Jim, I just want to learn from you, right? 
there's more incentive there for him to say, oh my God, I've actually looked and I can see this kid's been supporting me for all these years. Like, yeah, if I'm in LA one day, I can take the 30 minutes for coffee. Why not? Right? So I think that some, we're in this culture of like trying to get straight to the money, right? Like jab and no like, or right hook and no, no jab, right? Where it's like, don't go straight in for the kill. Don't go straight in for the ass. Follow these people, plant seeds, support them, show up, have micro conversations. Then that creates a better environment to ask. That's it's like I mean. whining and dining. You kind of have to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, you kind of have to like massage the situation and yeah. kind of feel it out because you want to exactly. make sure that this person is right for you and you're right mm-hmm. for this person. Exactly. I also exactly. like how you mentioned be specific with your ask because mm-hmm. sometimes when you with mentorship, a lot of times you think, okay, I want to learn everything that this person has to offer. And sometimes you have to be specific about exactly what you want to learn first. Mm-hmm. And yes. then maybe that can ripple into other things. Exactly. So, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Exactly. Totally. And also, too, it's like you don't need everything from everybody, right? Like, exactly. When I met Jim, the one question I asked him is I said, what is your creative approach um, to um, coming up with the vision behind your shoots? That was it, right? And he said, I want people to leave my shoots feeling like they'll never look this good again in their life. That's what he said. And that, that was part. the only nugget that I needed. That was all that I needed. That was all that I needed. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, style Absolutely. and presentation is so trans- transformational for what it does to somebody's mindset, their self-image, their belief in themselves. And that's something that I want to do for black boys down the line is use that method to do that for them. And that was all that I needed from him that day. The next time that I see him, it might be a different question, but I think that that's another thing where it's like you go and you're just like, I just want to learn any and everything. And they're like, uh, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. be Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it can be overwhelming. You want to yes. put yourself in another person's shoes and exactly. say, how would I want to be approached or exactly. how would they want to be approached because everybody's different. Exactly. Exactly. So I love that. Be specific with that. Um, ask. Be specific with that. Ask <laughs> <laughs> not to be confused with something else. <laughs> okay. So did sound like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you recall, and you kind of mentioned this throughout the entry, which I love, you're using a strategy back then or a non-strategy and what did that look for you then and then i'm going to follow up with what does your strategy look for you now so um just let me try to understand the question strategy for what exactly so strategy when and you kind of already said your strategy for um becoming a dancer and then going into um marketing and going into social media so were you using a strategy then or did you recognize that or were you just kind of going with your intuition and then is that sort of what you're doing now so let's gotcha clump those together now okay got (laughs) it um i think that i was using a strategy back then i didn't know that i was but i but i was definitely using a strategy and i think that the umbrella, the overlying, the bottom line for me is I'm always thinking about how to leverage what I'm currently doing to make sense down the line, right? So at that time, Absolutely. I was like, okay, 
I can either continue um, being a background dancer, which what do I get in the end of that, right? Maybe I have I have a few cool Instagram posts that I can put up over the next couple of years. Maybe I have a resume that says I dance for this person, this person, this person. What does that really get me, though, at the end of the day? How transferable mm-hmm. is that? Right, because at the end of the day, like as much as a lot of people in this in this community um, don't want to admit it, it's a it's a job or career that you have to transition out of someday, just strictly due to ability. Right. So um, my strategy was in the pivot was how do I make sure that I'm I'm applying myself to something that is going to have long term value Um as well as um, is allowing me to live out through what I'm passionate about and who I am today, right? So I think that my strategy now um, is, um, and honestly, part of the reason why I was open to having the conversation um, with Mattel, which obviously turned into an awesome opportunity for me, is at the bottom line, who, what is the problem that I want to solve and um, who is the community that I want to solve it for, right? The problem that I want to solve is I think that One, marketing is an industry that will never die. It will never, ever die. For as long as there is a product to be sold, we will need marketing, right? That's one. Absolutely. Two, two, um, digital is the future, right? So I think that we're even seeing now that we're we're transitioning out of transitional marketing and relying more on digital marketing, influencer marketing, primarily because we um, rely on the opinions of real people more than we rely on the opinions of a billboard, right? but what I, the problem that I'm seeing in the industry right now, which I think that um, Mattel is doing great uh, and Barbie are doing a great job at solving, is who gets to benefit from that? Who's getting a piece of the pie, right? For a long time before social and the fact that you can start a YouTube channel or a podcast, I can start um, a social media account that can help me monetize and make money for a long time. There were so many gatekeepers where only certain people got to be music artists. Only certain people got to be top models. Only certain people got to host their own television show where that is shifting so much right now. Totally shifted. So my strategy right now is to make sure that no matter where I go, um, my my group of people and not specific to, because I I work across everybody, right? Um, On my role in Mattel specifically, but Stepping outside of Mattel, David the person, David George the person, I want to make sure that the community that um, I come from is aware of these opportunities and is aware that they can, that this is even a possibility, that, that creativity can even benefit them in this way. People are building real Absolutely. wealth. People are building real wealth through these types of deals, right? But there are still some communities that are just not even aware that their little girl who loves to open her iPhone and like make videos that that can be a career path. They're not aware. Or and it's that so new. And it's so new or that their son yes. is super obsessed with video games isn't just lazy and doesn't want to learn. There are people who are making hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars through Twitch and live streams, through esports and gaming tournaments, through being YouTube commentators and showing people how to play these video games, right? I want, I want, Different groups who just don't know, right? The same way, um, right? Why there's even a wealth, div- why there's even a wealth gap to begin with, right? Certain families who just don't know how credit works, or who don't know how um, valuable the home buying, having a home or, or owning property can be, or just don't know how to invest and build a portfolio, right? So that same situation 
I think I'm seeing in this whole content influencer economy world where people are literally um, becoming stay-at-home families because they have very successful YouTube channels. And they're like creating crazy deals in partnership with these brands because it's such a hot commodity and it's so lucrative that it's changing um, how wealth is being built. So I think for me, my strategy is to make sure that no matter what I do and what I go, that I'm make, keeping my community informed on um, this information, right? So as a result of that, um, through the campaigns that we do within the company, um, I'm able to directly impact multicultural communities, right? Um, and make sure they're represented. But I'm also working on a book right now, which this is actually the first place that I'm saying it. I'm actually working on a book right yes. now um, that really sums up all of my experience and learnings through being on the brand side, being on the influencer side, my my know of like how these platforms are changing, what the future might look like, and just how people, um, how families can, and, and, and creative families or people who love creating content or are influencers, how they can have a stake in this space um, to truly just be be in the game and and build wealth for themselves. So I'm working on a book that will that will touch on that. <laughs> I'm so excited for that because I'm I know that book is going to have so much information yeah. and be so informative to someone like me or anyone else who wants to learn more about just creating opportunity for yourself. Yeah, because you yeah. have done that. You're mm-hmm. self-made all the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And I mean, you created David George and Co, mm-hmm. um, which is a digital marketing platform. How are you able to incorporate that in, with what you do at Mattel? Yeah. Um, so David George and Co, I won't call it a digital platform. I think it's more of um, an educational resource. So I guess the, the big thing is David George and Co basically allows me to do everything that I don't do at Mattel. So in Mattel, my, my job is to focus on developing these digital first um, marketing solutions to help um, the company reach its sales goals, right? As, or or uh, raise its brand awareness as far as all the great work that it's doing, its product um, availability, et cetera, right? Um, David, George, and Cole serves as, um, a, a, I guess, an educational vehicle, a resource for teaching people how this world works. <laughs> Does that make sense? So again, that makes total sense. That's when you're going to get me speaking more, um, showing up at different events or collaborating with brands to say, Hey, listen, this is how this world works. Right. Or the book that I'm going to put out next spring is the goal. Um, is going to be a product from David George and co that just focuses on educating people, how they can be in this world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it will be a digital, it will be a studio one day, it will be a studio one day that um, serves the purpose of, as I mentioned, um, my focus is black boys, it's where my heart lies. I think there's a lot available for black girls, and I don't see as much available for, for helping black boys really find who they can be outside of sports and entertainment. So I really want it to be a studio that helps um, them come in, learn how to tap into their creativity and their potential, learn how that can be um, opportunities for them. Um, really helping them absolutely develop, really helping them develop their self image from the inside as well as their image on the outside just to, 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 to feel confident stepping into these spaces I see a huge deficit still um, especially in Los Angeles of black men in companies like Mattel and you know I just see us and it's not because they're not out there it's not because they're not talented 
um, a lot of them just don't feel like they belong in these spaces. And I want to change that. So <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I have two more questions for you and then we'll wrap up. Um, yeah. What or um, what is or who is another creative or entrepreneur or a person just doing their thing that really inspires you right now? Ooh. Give them a shout out. Okay. I'm gonna shout I'm gonna shout out Bazoma St. John. Um she is the CMO currently at Netflix. Um and I think she's actually the person when I took my first like corporate role in marketing prior to Mattel, she was the person whose interviews I studied because I think that she has a confidence um when she steps into a room to where she's like, um, I know that I'm here because I'm the black voice, right? I know that that's why I'm here, but every time that I show up in a space, I'm going to be all of me. I'm not going to change my hair for you. I'm not going to change the way that I dress for you. I'm not going to change the way that I talk for you. I'm here because you want to reach my culture. So that's who I'm going to be. So Bazoma St. John, I think that she's doing really, really great things and helping kind of like what my mission is too, helping these um, damn damn different corporations that she's been at. She's been at Uber. She's been at Pepsi, Unilever. Now she's at Netflix. Understand the value of our culture. One. Absolutely. Um, and then um, I hate that I'm saying major celebrities, but the next person is definitely going to be J&B. I think that what they're doing to normalize black luxury, well, to normalize luxury within the black community and showing how you can go from being an artist, right? Kind of like I was a dancer and I didn't, I didn't see that as the ceiling. I think that what they've done to show that you can go from just being an art, that you can go from being an artist to entrepreneurs to um, philanthropists and, and, and just really just keep evolving. Um, I think that that's like crazy inspiring. Um, Dang, those would be the people right now. And I guess the next person I would say um, is Nick Cannon. I think that Nick Cannon and Tyra Banks, ah, I think that they're great people who, again, I think have shown that you don't have to be one-dimensional. I think that there's still, there's part of them that there's still talent. They're still out there and hosting and, and doing really fun things in the front of America, as in the face of America. But they're also really, really smart behind the scenes as far as being owners investors and helping other people along the way i'm done <laughs> <laughs> that was a great answer yeah what is the best advice you can give someone right now who is just starting out or who wants to start anew and i believe that you could definitely answer this question because you have been there before yeah i think um i'll give the advice that was given to me that really unlocked my like confidence od um Someone told me once that my brain will take me much further than, um, well, I was a dancer at the time and I was given this advice, that my brain will take me much further than dance will. And what that essentially meant was um, I, a lot of artists limit themselves to their art, whereas they, they don't pay as much attention to different possibilities, different windows of opportunity, hence why nobody else asks about that role at the gap other than myself. Right. So I'm constantly understanding that the more that you learn, the more that you expose yourself to, the more you'll know what's possible. Right. So your brain will take you much further than whatever art, job, circumstance that you think that you're in, that you think is limiting you. Just continue to be somebody that learns, um, read more than headlines and expose yourself to different things. That's the only way you're going to know what's possible. That's what I would say. That was great advice. You heard it, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. 
Thank you so much, David, Thank for you. participating in this, telling, sharing your story, sharing your process. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the audience does as well. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, it's, it's always a pleasure. As I mentioned earlier, I think that I'm always down for any opportunity that allows me to just share and touch, even if that just means one person. Um, so I appreciate you reaching out and asking me to, to be a guest today. Thank you for listening. If you want to continue to follow David George and his endeavors, follow him on Instagram at idavidgeorge. And you know you can follow us on Instagram at The Workout Session. Until next time, continue to have an inspiring rest of your week.